as an industry, we've made it our business to learn about games, how they work, about their resonance, and their successes or failures. But there's a human side to the industry as well. My name is Paul James, and welcome to Dev Diary, a series that explores and celebrates the incredible feats of the people behind the games as we dive into their stories, the highs, the lows, and everywhere in between. In this episode, I'm joined by Angelo DeRosa, solo dev working on the Steam Haven Chronicles. So join us as we explore his journey. So today I'm joined by Angelo. How are you? Hi. Uh, it's alright, it's alright. Just another day? Busy, busy, but yeah, the usual stuff. So this is Dev Diary, a series where we get developers from all around the world, someone such as yourself, uh, to talk about their gaming experiences, their, uh, their game development journey, and share a little bit of insight into what they've encountered over that journey. But we're going to start things the same way that we do every episode. What was the first game you recall playing? All right, so what's the first game that I recall playing? Um, I think my first video game experience was when I was around five or six. Uh, my dad brought in brought in uh, an Amiga. Oh yeah, okay. And um, and a bunch of discs, and I had never seen a video game in my life. I don't think. Um, and in, so uh, you, you knew what they were, but you hadn't seen one in action, or you were just not familiar at all. No, I had no idea what video games even were. So my dad was uh, was always has always been like a, a bit more like technologically uh, interested than the people around me growing up in a really small town in Sicily. Um, so he would always procure himself the latest technologies. Uh, just to you know, just to show us, and so he set up this Amiga for the kids to play, mainly me because my brother hadn't been born at the uh, at the time. And uh, I remember a few games like Baby Joe, which is oh, an yeah? obscure platformer. Uh, you know, you know it. Uh, I know the name, but I mean, and I feel like I say this in a lot of episodes. I, I know the name, but I'm not a hundred percent familiar with it. Honestly, I I would be um, surprised if any of your listeners know of this game because it's like really really obscure, and also like I replayed it re- recently. It, it doesn't even play very well, but the graphics were very colorful, very cute, uh, oh, okay. and cartoony. So it, I think it stuck with me as a kid. Uh, I remember I couldn't clear I couldn't clear the first level most of the times. And honestly, it's also because it's like extremely hard since it's not like a very, uh, it's it's a classic game. Yeah, I was, I, was, then, I was about to ask whether that was a whether you saw that as a a childish inexperienced thing or whether you see that as a design thing or whatever. But okay, so it was it was hard. I think I think it's I think it's a bit of both. Uh, I I don't know because like I have I play I replayed it like a few years ago, but right now that memory is not it's not super fresh, so I, I'm not sure. If it's because uh, the game itself was, you know, as a you know, classic games are usually just like not programmed very well unless they're like the big houses. Yeah, uh, makes sense. Or if it's, or if it, or if it's just that I was, you know, a five-year-old kid, so my uh, the head had never played a video game before, so my, you know, uh, eye hand-eye coordination wasn't very good or something. Yeah, it's fair. Uh, and other games that I had on the Amiga were like you know classic stuff like um, Double Dragon or um, 
Altered Beast. Yeah, there's certainly some far more familiar names for our listeners. Yeah, Golden Axe, you know, that kind of stuff. Yep, yeah, I know the ones. And then after that, starting off, you know, elementary school, I, I started making friends and going to their houses. And they had, and I, I had one friend that I had, that had a Super Nintendo. And there, uh, you know, I played actual games. But my parents never bought me a console until until I until like the PlayStation Two came out. And I think another one of the really big uh, video game experiences that I had was that uh, a friend of mine had um, one of those Chinese consoles with a bunch of NES games inside of them. I don't know oh, if you like had the, the the knockoff version. Yes. Yeah. That you that had like a boot menu and you could boot like you know like various you could, you could start from any level. Yeah, yeah, they've, I'm familiar with those, and I and, guess it's uh, still a thing that kind of exists because we see people hacking and modding their Super Nintendo classics and their PS One yeah. classics and all those sort of things to do the same sorts of things. So it's not a it's not a dead art. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it. Yeah, I think it was quite illegal even at the time, but you know, in Italy, legality is uh, very rel- <laughs> relative. Yeah, that's fair. Um, so pretty much every kid had it at some point. It, it, almost as popular as the the R four was back in the day. Oh yeah, okay. Uh, so yeah, so and I I remember that's where I played Super Mario for for the first time, and where I played uh, Twin B, uh, Contra, uh, and those like iconic NES games. And it just, I just got hooked and found a way to play uh, every kind of game that like caught my attention, either by going to friends' houses is or there a, just, you know. Is there a particular game or genre along the way that really um, clicked, resonated? I guess. Well, I think I think the the genre that has captivated me throughout my whole childhood was probably the RPG, although I don't play as many RPGs as I used to anymore. Specific sort of RPG? Are we talking uh, typically what would be associated as Japanese RPGs? Or yes, some yes, more yes. Ones? Mainly JRPGs like Chrono Trigger or Final Fantasy VI. Some excellent choices. Or Super Mario RPG, all that, all the good stuff. Yep. And, uh, and I remember when I found a new RPG, I was super happy, but... Uh, I think the game that really stuck with me uh, the most from that from the SNES period was uh, was you know like it was Zelda: A Link to the Past. Yeah, of course. Uh, and yeah, that's pretty much it. And I, I mean, I think of that game, and I think about what we're going to be talking about shortly. And my my gut says that a, there was a bit of influence from Zelda's of that oh. sort of era in in oh, your oh. current work. Um, oh, Would definitely, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we'll, well, we'll certainly talk about that more in more detail shortly. But yeah, that was that was certainly my first blush impression when I first found it. Yeah, definitely. Well, uh, my I think the console that I played the most with was the Game Boy Advance, and uh, definitely Zelda Minish Cap is one of them. My one of my you know biggest influences. Another excellent choice, and that's a <laughs> that's a Zelda game that uh, far too often I think gets ignored actually. Yeah, Minish Cap is... Um, Criminally it, underappreciated, I would say. Yes, yes. I mean, it, it is short. It, it, it does have its shortcomings. It's 
it, it, it's not long enough, but uh, the mechanics are spot on. Uh, the game itself is very, very well crafted. Um, the pixel art is absolutely gorgeous. Uh, oh, the stylings in that game, are, it, it's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. It's and amazing. still holds up. And it still holds up. I still play it sometimes. It's still amazingly fun. I need to find a way and, and some time to actually get back to that thing. Is there a is there a game along the way? So you're obviously getting into development these days. Is there a game along the way that kind of resonated with you in such a way that made you think, "I want to get into games development"? Was it one of those games that we spoke about, or it was? Is it something that was there a game at all that you can kind of identify that put you on that path, or helped put I, you on the path? I don't think there was. I think in general, my 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 thing, my personal experience with um, art and craft in general is that whenever I get interested in something uh, be it um, uh, books or comics or movies or you know YouTube videos or video games the after after watching after experiencing a media from the point of view of the you know the the, the fruit or the, the, the spectator uh, at some point, I get curious on how do you make this stuff and then I want to make it myself and then I start researching how to do it and before I know it I'm doing it so uh, that's what I did when I was you know uh, an adolescent with comics because I uh, originally I wanted to draw comics and uh, then I went on to making pixel art and uh, and and I have always wanted to make games because I've always been interested in games. So I don't think there's like one game that was like, I want to make a game because it's, I played this. It was more like, I want to make games because I play games. Yeah, it's the culmination of all these years of experience and the love of it that kind of made you want to dive into it more yourself. Yeah. And also, I think that, I think that uh, another thing that's like um, part of it is that uh, as an artist... Um, I'm one of those people that like wants to do something, but it's uh, like how do I explain this? Uh, I I want to um, find a way to use the the art that I create, not just as an art, but as a piece of functional work. Oh yeah, okay. So, and that's why illustration has always been fun, but I've always wanted to channel it into comics, for example, because it, it, it takes something that is, um, that, that, that is like a unity of thing, which is drawing, and makes it into a sequence, which is um, a comic, and it gives it uh, a function, right? And games are just another level level of that, because you make you make a pixel art, then you make an animation, then you want to make it move and do stuff. And yeah, and uh, then that the, then that interaction between those different elements, I guess. Yeah, and it's just the the more functions I can add to a piece of media, or the more pieces of media I can add to a bigger piece of media, the more I, I can create this complex, almost alive thing and this is what games game development is is for me no that's awesome i i love hearing that 
So how did the game development journey for you actually begin? So um, I started, well, uh, as I said, I was, uh, um, I was doing yeah, illustration. You art and illustration beforehand. Yeah, I was doing illustration. Then I switched to, then I started making pixel art just for, for, for kicks. And um, I found out that it was fun and that I kind of had done it before when I was a kid uh, using RPG Maker instead of experimenting with RPG Maker. Oh, yeah, okay. And uh, at, at the time, I had no idea that that thing had even a name, right? It wasn't like I'm doing pixel art. I was like, I'm doing characters for RPG Maker. And to do them, I have to zoom in, take away all the anti-aliasing, and just, and just go to town with a pencil tool. But that didn't have a name in my head, right? Uh, it was only later on that I was like, oh, that's, that, that's what I was doing. It was pixel art. And uh, from there, uh, and at the same time, I was studying Japanese at university because I wanted to move to Japan. It was like, you know, the, 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 the weeaboo dream of every anime watcher to move to Japan, right? Yeah, of right? course. Yeah. And, um, and, so, and so what happened was that um, I managed to move to Japan and I was looking for a job and I wanted to work with drawing illustration and I found this company that was hiring uh, uh, 2D graphics uh, and that and they were focusing on pixel art and I had been doing a lot of pixel art in that period so I was like well I can do this and some illustration so maybe they'll be interested so I sent them an email and they uh, took me on it's meant to be uh, yeah it was extremely lucky because it was like my first um, uh, my, first, my first interview in Japan my first job interview in Japan for, for a serious job, which is extremely rare to, to get it because it, it's really hard to find jobs sometimes. And, oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, and not just Japan. Anywhere in the world can be really Yeah, exactly. And uh, so, yeah. So, I, so I, I went there and I'm still working there. Um, and so I kept, you know, uh, working on my illustration, pixel art skills. And eventually I decided that um, I want to make my own stuff, mainly because uh, as professionally we mostly do uh, commission work. Yep. Uh, so uh, I wanted to do something that was more close to what you know my vision was. Uh, leaning into those passions a little bit more, the, the games and everything yeah. around those. Yeah, you know, like I... I, I Almost as if, you know, the creative outlets weren't enough doing it for a living. So I started learning how to code. And now I just uh, do pixel art at work all day, and then I go home and keep doing more pixel art. <laughs> That's <laughs> right, it becomes ends. your life. You love it. Yeah, it's great. So you, uh, and obviously you were doing it on your on your own there, so you couldn't, um, you weren't able to find a team or or time, so you kind of went off on your own to do everything. Um, how's yeah. that been so far? Yeah, well, um, it's not that I don't have friends to do stuff with. Um, oh, so I certainly wasn't suggesting that. Oh no, no, no! <laughs> I, I, I didn't mean to say to imply that. But uh, what I what I mean is, uh, I have a I have a few friends with whom I am working at some projects, but of course, everyone is you know uh, busy with their daily lives and it's not always possible to go at the same pace um, so and also 
I just was curious about um, coding. And at first I had like some few, you know, bad experiences with people that were like, oh yeah, yeah, let's make a game together. And then we started and we set everything up. And then like two weeks later, um, you know, you don't hear from them again. Oh um, yeah, okay. You know, but, but it's fairly common, especially when you're starting out and you're reaching out to people around you more than online. Like friends of friends, like, oh, my friend is doing programming and wants to make a game. Maybe I can put you in contact. And all oh, right, so uh, I meet with this guy. And like, okay, let's make a game. And then you know, stuff doesn't happen. Um, but when you're on the internet, it's easier to you know find people with you know more common ground. Yeah, of course. And so what happened was that I started. Because of that, it was like, okay, I'll never find someone that wants to do this as much as I do or, you know, has the same schedule that I, that I have uh, easily in person. So I'll just, uh, I'll just learn how to code. And then I started posting on Twitter. And that's when I met a bunch of people. Uh, and that's when I started actually making friends and I did a couple game jams and um, I, you know, my actual uh, coding coding skills kind of improved and now i'm uh, just doing it for fun so talk to me a little bit what about what it's like because i've encountered a lot of people who have got the the coding background but then have had to and they're in a similar sort of situation where they're developing a game on their own or in a very very small team um and they've had to learn other little tricks along the way including things like illustration and and the art side of things. How is it for you going the other way, where you've you've already got a developed skill set when it comes to artistry and and um, pixel art? How's that been going the opposite direction, where you're trying to learn how to code? Well, I I I, I wouldn't know how it is, uh, you know, compared to the people that had the the the, yeah, the, the other experience, the because of course I never had it. But I have to say, for me coding um was a big uh it, it was this sort of like extremely high wall uh very scary thing uh and, and at first i was like i'll never be able to learn how to code and i actually tried learning unity at first uh following a few yep. tutorials and i just couldn't understand c plus plus which is a big barrier, I believe. I'm not. I'm not an expert in that side of things, but I believe that's a major component. I'm. I, I don't. I don't know. I, I, actually, it's not even that different from what I'm doing now with Game Maker because now I'm using Game Maker. Yep. Uh, and at first, I was like, I don't understand this. Like, I, I, I would code in whatever the video say to do, and it worked. But then as soon as I wanted to like branch off and do my own thing and re-elaborate the code in a way that is, you know, different from the tutorial videos, I would yeah. just not, you know, I would just not succeed. And I, and I remember like having uh, doubts about whatever I was doing. Like I was like, what, what am, it, this is supposed to do this, but it, is it really how it works? And it was very confusing, and in the end, I, I dropped it. And a few months later, maybe a year later, I was like, well, I found Game Maker, and I, and I found that it was, you know, very different from what I what it was when I was, like, 15. 
and decided to try it out. And the code, uh, the, the, the language is mu much more streamlined, more easy to understand. There's a huge amount of tutorials, although Unity has a huge amount of tutorials as well. Uh, but I just found the Game Maker community more, I don't know, welcoming. No, that makes uh, sense. And that's a big factor for people who are looking to jump into anything, really. You want to find a community that's going, that you feel like is actually going to be able to support you in the way you need. Yes, and it's uh, the Game Maker community is amazing. Shout out to the Game Maker discords and uh, even just even just following people on Twitter, just people that just really like give you a lot of nice uh, insight into the way they develop stuff. The tutorials are really well put and very understandable, and in general, it's just it's just a blast. Oh, that's fantastic. Um... So we're, we're starting to build towards your, your current work, which is uh, Steamhaven Chron uh, Chronicles. Yes. But was that always, you, know, you were talking about how you wanted to get into the, uh, into the business, start to make a game. Was that, is, was that the idea that you always had or did you go through lots of different ideas and different iterations and those sorts of things before finally landing on this idea or how did things look for a while there? Eh? Well, the first first time that I well, you know, like as a kid, I experimented with RPG Maker, so I have tried making RPG stuff. But you know, I was a kid, so uh, it was mostly you know stumbling around. And the first game that I tried to make was um, um, a side-scrolling you know platformer, uh, and that's where I failed on Unity. Yeah, and, okay. And then as I was looking around for new stuff to make, I was like, well, Zelda is my favorite game series. Maybe I should make something similar to that. And uh, also at the time, like there were so many platformers and Metroidvanias that I was like, well, might as well do something, uh, something different. Yeah, I think about 2018 and there was a ridiculous number of excellent, yeah. admittedly, excellent Metroidvanias. The Hollow Knights and and Dead Cells of the world of there, there's been a lot of them. Yeah, and you know, like I'm generally happy about it because it's one of my favorite genres, and it's actually like uh, I I still do want to make one. In fact, I have started a little you know side project lately of um, of a small platformer, just oh, you know, just as a you know like a resting from Steam Haven when it gets uh, a bit too much. No, that and, makes sense, and it allows you to keep the creative juices going. Yeah. and, uh, and uh, but, but there weren't many, you know, to the uh, top-down uh, action games being developed, so I started. And at the same time, around five or six other people were having the same idea, so now there's a bunch of Zelda clones going around. Um, and and how do you how do you respond to that when you when you start you know you've you've started to put all this time into a project which ultimately is becoming Steamhaven, um, and then you make this discovery that there's a whole bunch of similar projects or at least similarly inspired projects all in the works. Um, how do you how do you respond to that? Because I could I could very easily see some people potentially going oh really it's there's all these people oh, maybe I'll do something different and actually pivot their direction. How how did you respond to that when the and obviously, you are still sticking with Steamhaven, so clearly you're not one of those people. But what was the um, what was the thought process in that period when you made those discoveries? Well, for me, it's the more the merrier, really. 
I don't really think that. Um, well, of course, there is a there is you know um, uh, an element of competition. Yes. But if you're always worrying about competition, uh, you'll never make the game that you want to make. And the whole point uh, of Steam Haven was to make something that I really am passionate about. That I like the project that I want to make. So if I was going to uh, let um, the market or the you know current fashion or whatever stop me, you know it wouldn't have you know made much sense. Well, it's so, one of those things where a rising tide lifts all boats, anyway. And I mean, we we spoke about the Metroidvanias before, and I mean, there's not too many that failed out of that batch last year. They all still did really well, despite the fact that many of them were in development in the same sort of period and released in the same rough period of time. So, yeah, I mean, uh, I think every market, uh, the the way the way it goes is like a wave, right? So, like a yeah. few projects start out, and everyone started doing whatever they're doing because they're successful, right? And then it gets too saturated, and and then it goes down, and then it, and another wave or something else comes up, and then they go, they come back, and they come and go, right? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm not too worried about that. Also, the thing about Steam Haven is it, it is that it's a it's a hobby project. Um, I wish it was my you know my main job. I wish I could just do that all day because it's the most fun. But of course, you know, I also have to eat. <laughs> no, of course, no, you got to pay the bills and keep yourself right. fed and uh, living to a standard that allows you to continue development. So I, I totally understand. I mean, at the end of the day, this doing these recordings, that's something I do on the side to my normal professional job. So right. it's, it, you, you chase these dreams and you hope it all works out and you, you put your absolute best into it. So I don't, I don't blame you whatsoever. I mean, the idea with Steam Maven is to eventually make it into something commercial uh, when uh, it's you know when it's almost done maybe find a publisher maybe self-publish um, I've had some offers but not much um, and you know eventually make it a commercial project but for now it's it's a hobby project that I do in my free time um, because if I start thinking about it as work, um, it will not work as a stress-relieving tool, which it is right now. Yeah, I completely understand. So we should probably talk a little bit about the game, because I'd imagine, I mean, it's it's still very early days for the game, and, and a lot of what I've seen in the game has been purely through Twitter. So, and obviously there's other source of information for that, and we'll talk about that shortly as well, but... Um, would you like to just tell our listeners a little bit about about the game? Obviously, there's a there's a Zelda inspired aspect to it, but um, maybe the the quick short pitch about what the game is and sure. So, um, Steam Haven is uh, the Steam Haven Chronicles is um, is a Zelda like uh, top down action adventure game based uh, more of uh, more on exploration. Than um, uh, combat and uh, and it's uh, it, it's nothing extremely you know uh, groundbreaking uh, 
it's mostly a Zelda clone, but I'm trying to, you know, get my spin on the concept and try and add some interesting elements such as um, item, item crafting, uh, which I guess is now in Zelda uh, with Breath of the Wild. <laughs> they, they, took, they took inspiration from what you were doing. Uh, exactly. They, they copied <laughs> me, not the other way around. And um, <laughs> uh, it's mostly about uh, going around, uh, exploring. Because the thing that I most I, that I love the most about Zelda is not as much the dungeon crawling and the combat itself. The thing that I like the most about Zelda is exploring the um, uh, the main map. It's going around finding little secrets and hidden spots and side quests. Um, so that's what lore. I want to explore the most. Would it be fair to say, based on that comment there, that it's a bit more about the lore of the world and just kind of discovering what's hidden within? Yeah, I guess you could say that. But I, I think more than the lore itself is just the feeling of finding stuff. Um, oh, yeah, okay. Of course, there's gonna be. There's, of course, that stuff is also gonna be game law. But even just you know going down uh, uh, a hole that you found in the ground in some remote bit of the game, and finding a cave with um, a chest and like a few items, you know, even just like the smallest things just make you feel like you have found some secret, right? And Oh, example, I remember that feeling with some of the old Zeldas. I absolutely remember exactly what you're talking about and how incredible it felt to to find this really obscure hidden thing and you're sitting back thinking and this is more me as a kid rather than the, the adult that I am today and kind of knowing a little bit better, but you know, thinking, I'm the only person in the world that's found this thing. This is incredible. <laughs> exactly. It's just how it feels, right? Like you go, you go into a cavern, that you bomb a wall, you find a random cavern, you go in and there's a piece of art. You're like, oh man, there's a piece of, or there's a puzzle. And at the end of the small puzzle, there's a piece of art, and it feels like you not only gained it, but also like found it, and yeah. that's uh, uh, in an in an organic way, and that's what I want to you know mostly do with uh, Steam Haven. But also, of course, you know, dungeon crawling is fun, and dungeon design is very is very fun. Absolutely, and I I love that idea of thinking I was the first person to find something until I went to school the next day, and it turned out everyone else had as well. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, so is there, is there a general, and maybe, maybe it's too early for that at this point, is there, is there a general narrative hook that's kind of driving this adventure at all, or? Uh, you mean, um, uh, story-wise? Yes. Or are we mostly just focused on the world at the moment? So yes, well, there is a, there, there, there's a, there's an overarching plot. The idea is that you live in this island that uh, is floating in the sky, and, uh, at some point... Well, the game starts with uh, with an earthquake, and, uh, and and all the characters are like, "What are what are all these weird art- earthquakes that have been happening lately?" And so the the main character, uh, which is called Klee, she goes around and tries to find the um, source of all these um, earthquakes. And turns out, well, I don't know if I should say this. It's probably better if I. <laughs> If I keep it as a, as a surprise, feel free to keep um, that up your sleeve if you like. Um, you don't need uh, to go spoiling the story for us, well, that's for sure. I mean, it's really the beginning of the game, so it's not much of a spoiler. Oh, yeah, okay. but, 
basically you find out that someone is trying to siphon the energy that keeps the island afloat. Oh, okay. And so you have to find them and uh, defeat them and, you know, and, and then it's just like a, a typical story. But it's nothing more. It's nothing much in the way of you know, groundbreaking plot. It's a very simple plot. Uh, I want to mostly focus on the um, uh, on making the adventure as organic as possible, rather than having a really complex plot. And I want no, to. I, I can really appreciate that actually. Yeah, and I want to add a bunch of like you know like small, uh, small tidbits so that you can grasp the lore of the game if you want to uh, there's going to be stuff that you find that will tell you the history of the island or you're going to find some interesting characters they have their own story and you can unlock it by talking by doing subquests and stuff like that but that's you know that's if the player wants to do it if they don't want to do it they can just smash the A button and you know go around uh, and just kill enemies and stuff you know it's whatever you want it to be yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. Um, I mean, I mean, we talk about the Zelda games, and look, some of them have got better stories than others, but they're not they're Absolutely. not renowned renowned for their incredible storytelling. I mean, I think Nintendo retroactively created the timeline in response to all the questions and conversation over the years. That it was never something they really were striving for at the beginning. It was about the world and how you explored it and what you found, and some of those things that you were talking about being your main driving factors with Steamhaven that inspired Zelda as well. So. Yeah, the timeline thing was, um, I don't know, I think it was just fandom fuel. Absolutely. I find it extremely interesting. Well, I, I'm, a, I'm a Zelda geek, so, you know, I do pay attention to all the lore and the theories and all that stuff. It's very fun, but ultimately it's clearly not something that was made to be like that. It was tied together afterwards, right? Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree with you. Um, so something that I, I really want to question you about here, cause it's something that really interests me is the, is how, um, and obviously you're working on this in your own time, but you also have a Patreon for the game. Yes. Now the, the thing that's intrigued me the most about the Patreon, I mean, player two, who, who this, like the, the, uh, podcast is supported by, uh, we have our own Patreon. There's plenty of Patreons out there for a whole bunch of different groups around the world you might be the first at least that I'm aware of and there's, there's probably others out there but you're the first that's um, using uh, Patreon to support a video game that you're developing and the, the thing that really intrigued me about this is the fact that I think about those other Patreons and even the one that Player 2 has and, and it, there's we might in our, in our particular case there's a few videos you might get per month and that sort of thing and it's, it's this ongoing thing that you're producing whereas in the case of uh steamhaven and what you're doing there you're creating one product that people get at the end so what's it been like um you having this patreon and how how does that work in this particular case well patreon is uh, mostly like a, for me like the way i use it it's mostly a way to uh set up uh some kind of like support box um, obviously I'm not releasing content content you know in a um, in a set basis like you would do with a podcast or um, yeah. whatever other people do with patreon for me it's more like if you want to support me consider donating me 
d donating to 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 me as I make this game, and uh, in re return with you know a lot of um, qu uh, quote quotes around it, I um, I want to give you know uh, a bit of you know uh, uh, a devlog that talks about my process and stuff like that. But it's mainly just like a like a donation box kind of thing. It had been a really interesting one for me to for me to look through and um, and read some of the comments there. And obviously, you're talking about, and I think it was the most recent post um, yes. that you've got there at the moment. You're talking about how there's a planned upcoming little vertical slice demo that uh, patrons of five dollars and over, if I recall, yes, um, will will be able to access in the sometime in the future. Yes, um, I am trying to get it done, but my, my main problem is that the, I still don't have the music. Um, my uh, my music person is actually my brother, and he's extremely okay. talented, but he's very busy at the moment. So I'm waiting for him to find the time to finalize some of the uh, the SFX and the musics. And once I have enough stuff, I'll I'll put the the, the demo up. And it's it, it's mostly well. My plan at the beginning was to just put up everything that I make. Any sort of thing yep. that I make, I just put it up and receive feedback. But I realized that it's uh, not as easy as I thought. So I decided in, uh, ultimately to, um, to just wait and have something concrete to put up before I, before I could do that. And that's what I'm doing with... Um, uh, that's what I did right now. Uh, it, I, I locked it to my $5 Patreons mainly just because... Um, I don't want to be flooded with um, feedback right now. I just want I just want the people that are more interested in the project to experience it and you know give me um, give me their really, feedback first. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, you really want uh, meaningful comments from people who really genuinely care about the thing. That really constructive stuff versus opening the floodgates to everyone where you can get exactly a lot of really mixed messages. From, and then from I, the extremely positive to the extremely negative to everywhere in between, and it's hard to kind of really disseminate and process it properly. Exactly. And then as soon as, you know, um, I get a bit more um, stuff going on, maybe I'll release a demo um, to the open public. Or, you know, as soon as I also am confident enough, because this is my first project, um, as a as a solo dev, and it, this is like the first time I'm actually doing something um, of that kind. So I'm also a bit nervous about the outcome. I don't blame you at all. Um, I personally would be terrified at the prospect of making a <laughs> game and putting putting it out there for the world to see. It's it's a it's a scary thing, I'm sure. I mean, yeah. I, I speak about you know my career as a teacher. The first time I had to step foot in front of. 25 kids who have you know parents that are they have a vested interest in what what those kids do and don't learn it's it's terrifying and eventually you get comfortable with it of course but um at first it's it's very intimidating and i i don't see there being much difference here you're you're producing something and putting it out there for others to um enjoy yeah um and you know whether they enjoy it or not is you know the whole point so, well, not really. It's also the satisfaction that I get while making it. But, of course, uh, if I was just making it for myself, I wouldn't 
you know, uh, I wouldn't be making a game or I wouldn't be making making uh, uh, making it, it so publicly. But I yeah. think you know, of course, uh, my main concern is to make something that is fun for a lot of people. No, I completely understand. So. What are some of your personal ambitions within this games business? Where, where do you see things going in the future? And obviously, Steam Haven is the current current work and thing that you're sinking a lot of your extra time into. Uh, how do you see things hopefully developing from here? Well, um, first off, I want to you know see if I can you know actually finish this project. I. I I'm saying if, but I really, really want to finish this project, so I'm really focused on that. But first off, uh, I want to see this project finished, and then after that, depending on whether you know it uh, turns out to be a good pro- uh, a good product or not, um, I'll do some more stuff. Well, actually, I don't think I would stop even if it had, you know, if, if, if even if it's received poorly, because just it's just so much fun for me. You've but been bitten by the bug. Yeah, but absolutely, most definitely. Um, but um, I don't know. Honestly, I I wish I could say with absolute certainty and confidence that one day I will open my own video game company, start my own brand, and you know hire people and be an entrepreneur or whatever. But um, at the moment, I mean that moment of my life where. Um, I need to save money and be uh, sure about what I what I do or what I don't. So I I do want eventually to um, to work on my games full time, and Steam Haven is just the first step towards that. Look, Steam Haven is a beautiful, visually beautiful for uh, first start. So I must personally, I mean, we've been. Um, in conversation for for many months now it's taken me a long long time to actually get this organized um but that game caught my eye one day because it must have someone must have liked it or retweeted um it was just a gif i think at some point and i was immediately struck by how that game looks and so based on everything that i've seen over the months since you're already off to a fantastic start (laughs) thank you very much well the thing is um if there's one thing that I have a little bit more confidence in is my, you know, art skills, because it's you know my my day job, my main job, yeah, and what I've been doing for you know the first thirty years of my life. So I understand that you know visually it looks good, although you know of course being an artist I'm never satisfied with my own work, and you know every time I look at an old GIF I'm like I have to change everything now but whereas, you know whereas i look at those and go oh my god i could never do anything like that <laughs> <laughs> exactly and you know like every time i look at the first animation that i made i'm like i have to make this from scratch this is horrible but you know the push is to make more and at the end of everything work about improving the quality of the old animations um yeah understood i i, I know that i i better finish before I make it perfect, like finishing the thing is more important. But it's it, it, sometimes it's frustrating. But uh, I, I am. I'd imagine fine you're always tempted it. to go back and continue to refine and polish. 
exactly. Yeah. Uh, but 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 I'm okay with the graphics. Like I I'm confident in the the graphic side. What I'm not as confident is uh, the code uh, and uh, and the game design and actually making it fun. So uh, that's the real challenge for me is to make a fun game. But I guess that you know cycling back to what we were talking about before. That's that's one of the advantages of having the Patreon and a and a dedicated group there that are really invested in the product. It means that you can. You can put it out to them whenever whenever your uh, demo is available or ready, um, and actually source some really valuable feedback from those people. Exactly, and I have many friends that are uh, more experienced in game design and in uh, um, in programming. Uh, so you know, I can reach out to them, ask them to to uh, check my game out, to tell me if there's something that's wrong with it, um, and get that feedback. So. Um, but still, you know, it's kind of um, kind of worrying to not be sure because you don't have experience. But then again, there's only one way to get experience, and yeah, it's to you've, do stuff. You've always there's always someone's first time. Exactly. So, what have been some of the more valuable lessons and experiences you've picked up along the way? And obviously, I'd imagine one in terms of lessons, coding has probably been one of the biggest ones. But uh, what have been what have been some of those things that have really clicked and um, been really valuable things that you've picked up on over the journey so far? Um, well, in general, I think, I think in general, uh, in art, in, in art and craft in general, the most important thing that I have to do, I was actually talking about this just one second ago, is the idea that you have to make something, uh, that you have to finish something rather than perfecting it. If, Finishing it's the most important part of it. Yep. Um, and um, from I don't know from it depends from what standpoint. Like from the from a coding standpoint, I have learned many a valuable lesson, mainly because I had everything to learn. Uh, yeah. Well. I mean, it's fair to say there's probably going to be plenty more lessons along the way as you get closer to final release, and you know, fingers crossed that it starts making it to its way to PC and the consoles and all those sorts of things. So then, all the yeah. hurdles that come with cert and all those sorts of things that that's uh, something that every that developer will be... loves. <laughs> <laughs> um, have there been any particular challenges that you've had to overcome, either in terms of the actual development of the game or? Um, whether it's things like actually being motivated to continue working on it, did you hit a few bumps in the road that might have made well, you think, question whether it was I, worth it? That sort of thing. I think the most, um, the biggest hurdle is uh, uh, dealing with burnout, because you know, doing it as as day job, um, working every day doing you know graphics all day and then coming home doing more graphics and coding and stuff after a while especially if you have all the stuff going on in your life your social life uh, you know breakups and stuff like that uh, you reach a point where you need to take you know a big bunch of rest uh, and you know some relaxed time and recognizing that you need time off is very tricky for me uh, and very very hard to do so uh, it's something that I learned I, I'm definitely learning recently to don't worry I don't, I don't think it's just you 
Um, my <laughs> wife regularly tells me off for the fact that I, I actually need to stop every now and then and remember that I do have her and a five-month-old that I, that I do also <laughs> love and care about very dearly and need to look after them from time to time rather than continue to chase a dream and actually getting some sleep is uh, a good way to be the best you can be for not only them but also the things that I want to do. Yeah, and you know, the you, if you're probably like me, uh, you probably know that you know, gnarling feeling of guilt for not being working right now. Yes, I know the one. And uh, sitting, sitting on the couch for twenty minutes and thinking, "Oh, geez, what could I have done in that time?" Exactly. <laughs> sometimes you know, sometimes as you do, you, you you're in bed in the morning and you're you know struggling to wake up, and you grab your phone and you look at your phone for like what fifteen minutes, and after at the end of those fifteen minutes, I'm like. What have I been doing this 15 minutes instead of coding? <laughs> like, what am I doing with my life? And it's just, and the thing is, it's fine. It's it, it's a, it's sometimes it's a good feeling because it, you know it spurs you on, but most of the times it's it's toxic and it needs to be controlled. Uh, and you know, recognizing that you know kind of like mania that comes over you to always be doing stuff and keeping it at bay I think it's the biggest challenge for for me and for many uh, game devs and artists in general yeah I I 100% agree Um, having whether it's a support system around you whether that's uh, people that you you know you interact with or your own internal process to help manage that is something that's really valuable I think absolutely and I have to say uh, the game development community especially the, the indie game development community is so supportive and so wonderful. Uh, I have many friends on Twitter uh, that are often talking about this kind of, you know, struggle. And it's nice to know that I'm not the only one that feels like that, like this. Although, you know, it's not like the biggest, you know, problem in the world, but it's still uh, something that is nice to share and it's nice to have you know people that say stuff like this is completely normal uh we go through to uh be sure to you know keep yourself rested and etc etc and it's you know it's it's good to have a community oh yeah um always having people around you makes a big big difference um so have there been any particular highlights through this development period so far and obviously it is still early days but have there been any any particular highlights um, things that really resonated with you what do you mean by highlights um, just any particular moments I guess along the way that that have really stuck with you so, um, whether it's getting that first um, piece you know a bit of code actually working and moving exactly as intended or you know something along those sort of lines have there been anything that's really stuck with you yeah well I one thing that I really remember uh, is the first time that I actually went off script on a tutorial and you know coded a whole system in the game by myself uh, without oh, okay. referencing any tutorial or any kind of thing and that felt incredibly good to just you know compile and have it work not of course not the first you know first shot but you know like working on a new system that I haven't seen tutorials for because, you know, at the beginning, all you do is look at tutorials and you're like, uh, how to make your character move um, 
on a you know top-down uh, game or how to do collisions. And at first, you know, you follow tutorials and then you revisit that code and, and modify it, but it's always come from somewhere. But sometimes you make it. Well, for example, when I did the crafting system for Steam Haven, I hadn't, I, I didn't look at any resource mainly because there wasn't any tutorial for it, for it. So I had to figure everything out by myself: how to do the UI, how to implement, um, to, to to connect my inventor my inventory system with the crafting system, how to make it so that it doesn't bug, um, what is what is good, where to even stuff like where to add screen shake. It's oh, yeah, not. It's okay. not always. There's there's not always a tutorial for it, and you know there's always a tutorial for the the most common things. But when you go a little bit in deeper in, you have to make your own stuff, and I uh, I think that it's one of the hugest uh, feelings of satisfaction that I've ever felt. That's awesome. Um, I've, like, I've had a few people on that have obviously like the. I mean, we've had Tim Wilts and a few big names come along over the journey. And they're talking about how their their biggest thing was the the first time their their game hits the shelves. Um, but they've gone through similar to what you've just been describing. This they've tried and failed. They've tried and failed, and then eventually the thing has worked. Yeah, for the first time, and that's been this this big relieving sort of moment. And it's only just kind of dawned on me as you were you know talking about your story there and i instantly thought okay i've i've heard this before i've tried and it's not worked i've tried and it's not worked i'm realizing that game development is actually just dark souls in real life <laughs> the, <laughs> the dark souls of jobs <laughs> it does require so, a lot of trial and error maybe, maybe that's what from soft were actually onto when they were creating the game yeah and hopefully it won't be <laughs> as tough as dark souls but <laughs> yeah he's hoping you certainly maybe, have maybe to, it's more to the redo of... the same boss a lot. <laughs> um, so as we as we wind things down a little bit, first one I probably feel like I should ask for those uh, for those listening: Do you have a rough um, ETA in your head for when Steam Haven might arrive? And obviously that is subject to change, so I'm not going to hold you to anything here. And nor will uh, our listeners. I'm I'm talking about you, listener. Um, <laughs> Are there, do you have a, a rough idea in your head as to when you'd even like to see the game release? I would love for it to be done in a couple of years, two, three years. But, you know, thing is, um, I think I did something very stupid uh, in choosing my first project uh, as something big, as big as Team Evan is. It's really like... Maybe I should have done a bunch of small games first, and then gone, and then go go for something big as big as Steam Haven. So the scope of it is quite big at the moment, and it's probably going to take a few more years unless I can get on it full time. But to get on it full time, you know, I need a few planets to align. That cycles back to the whole publisher thing, correct? Exactly. So I don't know, uh, and you know, I. The thing that I that I would you know need the most is mainly to have uh, some some exper- someone experienced see, look at my code and tell me this is crap or tell me this is fine or just you know put their hands on it and fix it so that it's not as crap as it is just you know just to make it more you know like a um, more of a professional project but talking to many developers I found out that actually like some 
of the most popular games out there are just like a jumble of spaghetti code that holds itself with, uh, you know, uh, divine intervention. So yeah, a bit of duct tape and that's, that's exactly. All um, so next question, this is one I warned you about before we started recording today, um, that I've just recently brought into these episodes. If there was one, and I feel like I even know at least the series when it comes to the answer here. Uh, if there was one game that you wish you could have made, what was it? Or what oh, would it be? Oh boy. Um, you know, I was I was thinking about this just the other day. Um, I was watching uh, some some YouTube video about how they made. Uh, what game was it? I I think it was a link to the past. Oh, okay. I had a feeling Zelda was going to come up somewhere along the yeah, way. Yeah, but the, the <laughs> maybe maybe it was maybe it was Mega Man. Uh, honestly, uh, because I've I've been watching a lot of you know game development related videos, and I think really any games in the in the NES library, you know, made by Nintendo, I I would I would have wanted to be the guy that made. You know, the thing is like even stuff like you know Earthbound or uh, you know, Mega Man yeah, or uh, Zelda or the first Mario. Uh, the the whole thing about those is that there was no blueprint, right? And it's it's amazing the way those people were thinking about the user experience in such a deep way that they set the trend. For video game development, video game development for like what thirty years, and it's still yeah, they going didn't, on. They right? didn't have a guide; they they had to work it out themselves. Exactly, and and, and it, it's amazing. And I really wish I was one of those people that had to think about the medium from absolute scratch. Uh, and I I feel that I really envy those people that you know made something from nothing. Uh, it must have been an amazingly interesting process. I'm going to push you a tiny bit, though. What's that one game? If the, if you could if you could come up with one. Oh boy, I think I think that'll... <laughs> I I totally wholeheartedly agree with your sentiment, but I'm going to push you a little bit and see see if we can come up with one, and then we'll just retroactively I don't know edit edit the game's code or something and put you in the credits. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think I think it would be probably the first Zelda game. Awesome. Um, and finally. Uh, just a little bit of a wrap up here what uh, where could people listeners uh find you on the internet uh, if they want to learn more about the game where would where should they go all those yes. sorts of details so um well uh, i think the best place to reach me is twitter uh at at underscore tenchi with a three in place of an e um uh, and also, of course, on my Patreon that you can reach from, from there. But mainly, yeah, I think my, my main social uh, media is Twitter. Fantastic. Please, if you are listening now, go and check out his Twitter. Go check out the the Patreon because there are some awesome things there. Um, that artistry, I spoke about it several times throughout the course of this episode. The game looks gorgeous and it is... Um, Look, I think if if you're into the same sort of things that I am, then I think it'll be one that you'll be following very, very closely for the whether it ends up to be two or three years like you're talking about or whatever that timeline ends up being. Um, 
it's it's a beautiful looking game and it's still the early stages so i'm really curious to see how it kind of ends up thank you um thank you very much uh yeah i i hope it comes out and like i hope it's it's a good it's a good product product in, in the end i'm sure it will be so angela thank you very much for your time today um thank it's you it's been an absolute pleasure yeah same and thank you very much for having me and thank you very much for listening that concludes this entry of dev diary be sure to subscribe to this feed share it with your friends and give us a five-star review to help boost the show up the charts for greater exposure if you have any people you would like me to reach out to an interview then please find me at paul james games on twitter to help me get in touch with them until our next episode however that's been angelo's story thank you very much for listening And I'll see you next time.